Amen. Well, you guys can have a seat. Man, it's so good to see you all this morning. I've been gone for a couple weeks, and man, I have missed you guys. So there's no other place I'd rather be than right here with you all. Uh, I was preaching in Houston one Sunday, and then I was at a retreat with one of our partnering churches, the Church of 1122, which where are you guys? They are somewhere in this room right here. They came to help with Beast Feast, if you guys can give them a round of applause. If you are new, welcome. My name is Luke. Man, we are just so honored that you have joined us this morning to worship. Um, I see a few of you made it to the top end of the bleachers. Somehow you scaled the wall, so nice job. I congratulate you. Man, we may have to go to two services again. This room is getting full. Yeah, right? Amen. Hey, a couple things with that. Allison just informed me that we have 74 kids in kids ministry this morning. That is a record, by the way. That's 74 kids that are hearing the gospel this morning as we as a church are deeply burdened for the next generation and we're going to run after them and we're going to pour into them with everything that we have. Why? Because they're not the church of the future, they're the church of the now. They are the church. We are the church and so we're going to pour into them with everything that we have. With that, there's a couple things I need to mention. Um, with serving, we ask that you commit to a quarter so that you have a way out if you just need a break. And we are in some need for some more uh, people to serve in kids. Allison said we need three K through one. It's just every other week. We need one pre-K teacher, ages three to five. And we need two toddler teachers, 18 to 36 months. Um, if that's something that you are have been thinking about for some time, or maybe you haven't even thought about it until this morning, I'm just saying God may be calling you to go pour into these little kiddos, because I'm just telling you right now, if we don't get enough people, I'll go do it. Someone else can preach, fine with me, but I believe in that generation, and so I'll go do it if we can't find people. Uh, the, the other thing is, is we are asking for three adults to serve every other week just to help set up this kids' areas. Um, Marcus and Allison's kids have been serving so faithfully since the beginning of this church, and they are here every single week, right? Amen. But we want to give them a break, too. Like, we need to rally and own that. I don't want their kids serving every single week in there when, man, there's so many of us that could just step in and be a part of what God is doing because he is moving here, and we cannot take that for granted. Amen? So, anyway... If God is calling you to do that, there are some people in this room, I know he is, and your heart's starting to pulp a little bit, and you're like, I couldn't do that. It's so easy. It's all set up. You just show up. It's pretty amazing. Allison does an amazing job. Put that on the Connect card. Put it in the box on the way out, and man, you will be blown away by what God does in your heart as you give back to him, and as those kids, man, it's, it's just unreal seeing those kids just fall in love with Jesus. There's nothing like it, I promise. One more thing we're going to do before we get going into today's message um, I have said that it's coming, and it just took a little longer than um, normal. Dime finally got us our accounting stuff, and so I'm just going to fill you guys in with where we are at as a church financially. It's really remarkable. Keep in mind, we're only two years old. Last year, from September to September, $974,751.95 have been given in tithes and offerings. That's almost a million dollars. And we don't have a bunch of big money people behind us. It's God's faithful people bleeding and believing in what he wants to do in this place. We don't have a bunch of millionaires just throwing money at us. 
You all have been so faithful, and I just want to say Beast Feast, which was amazing. People got saved. Some of the stories we heard, I mean, who would have guessed that 2,500 people would have showed up in a trade center building in Kalispell? I mean, that's massive, and it's all possible because of you guys being faithful to give what God has given to you, or more, may I put it this way, as we went through Malachi, we are called to, um, to bring back to God what he has already given us. So that's how much has been given. The breakdown of this is staffing expenses, which is payroll for three full-time, three part-time people, and some travel and meals was $257,060.20. Marketing, print marketing, website, internet marketing was $12,538.25. Administrative is legal fees, communications, banking fees, insurance, accounting fees, all that stuff. Um, this involves dime. We pay an accounting firm to do all of our books, $18,429.93. Worship services, all the stuff that you see here, um, equipment, um, everything that it takes to put this on. We had some people give some significant amount of money last year to help us get set up, and involved in that is, or all that, was $81,242.17. Ministries, this is children's ministry, women's ministry, small groups, youth, all of that, uh, $22,988.44 has gone to that. Missions, we as a church so support both local and international missions. Um, community outreach events, all of that is tied into this. And uh, we have given away $48,801.78. I just want to say this before we get going. This is actually brand new off the press. Um, but we were able, we, when I was in Florida last week at this retreat, I'd met this guy who, um, man, he serves in Costa Rica, and what God is doing there is just stunning. The church is building, and he's getting ready to build this school because his heart is, if we can get these kids when they're young and just let God grip their heart, they are the next pastors of this country. They are the next generation of the church, and they needed a principal for this school. So I was talking to him one night, and... By the way, uh, 1122, Joby sits on our current board, so we were down at that church. He, he was a board member, and he was just sharing his heart with what God was trying to do, and they needed $26,000 to hire this principal to get this school going. And God has been so gracious to us that I just want you all to know that we as a church gave half of that, $13,000, towards paying for this principal so that the gospel can go forward. Like, we're not just hoarding all this money. Like, we want to give it out and we want to do more. Because we believe in the gospel advancing, not just here locally, but all around the world. And God has been so generous to us. How can we not be generous to the world around us? Because that's why he gives us resources is to use it so that the gospel may go out with power. The last item is facilities, that's rent for the school, for our office space. We paid all of our office rent up front, just so you know, last year we just wrote a check because we got a discount because God has been so faithful. So we don't pay month to month, we paid it up front. But in this involves that and all the, it was to furnish it and all the supplies that go into that, that's $89,267.97. Basically, as you can see, the total expenses were $530, three. $530,328.74. But here's the amazing thing. Total to date in the bank right now that we have as we begin to move forward into what God calls us to is $625,499.11.
I just want you guys to know that that is not normal. I was talking with our board recently, and one of the board members said, Luke, what God is doing at Veneration, not just in this room, but financially, he said, your financials are probably in the top half to 1% of any church plant in America. What God is doing and giving towards here is remarkable. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful to do what God has called us to do. This is our church. This is God's church that he has welcomed us to be a part of in this place called veneration. We own it and we are going to march forward towards the gates of hell because there are people that are hurting and in need of hope of the gospel. Amen. Can we just praise God for all that he has done? God, we come before you this morning as we're about to enter into your word and I pray for someone in this room who is deeply hurting who maybe has been waiting for an answered prayer for a long time, and maybe they, maybe they have given up on continuing to ask for something. God, maybe they are so hurt and they just feel rejected and they don't feel like you're hearing them. God, I pray that you would remind them this morning that you are with them and that even if they can't see you, you are present and you are near. So God, we pray that as we open your word that you would be honored and glorified for, it's your, for your name, for your glory that we're here. We love you, Jesus. God, and we're just asking you to do a miracle in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10 this morning. I'm going to, we're going to finish the Beatitudes in a couple weeks, but we have a really special man coming to preach next week, and I'm going to be here, but he's been an incredible blessing in my life, and you are not going to want to miss it. I promise you that. But if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46, says this, And they came to Jericho. And he was, as he was leaving Jericho, who? Jesus, with his disciples, a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now gather this picture. Jesus is coming out of Jericho, and there is this massive crowd following him everywhere he goes because he had been doing miracles. He had been doing amazing things, and he was like, honestly, one of the most popular men in town. Everyone wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to see him. They wanted to be near him. And this great crowd is following him out of Jericho. But there's this man named Bartimaeus, and he's begging. He's blind. He's just sitting by the road, and he's totally helpless. Which, by the way, Bartimaeus, it's very clever of Scripture. It literally means son of Timaeus. <laughs> so, Caroline, I was actually just thinking, we don't have our name for our son yet. Maybe it could be Barluke. <laughs> no? Oh. Dang it. See, I got shot down again. But that's what it means. So it's just scripture just wants to clarify. This was the son of Timaeus. And this beggar is sitting by a roadside. And then listen to what verse 47 says. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Get this in your mind. Here is this man sitting on the side of the road, blind, cannot see anything. And he began to hear that Jesus of Nazareth was in town. I'm sure that as he was thinking, he'd probably heard that Jesus had cleansed the leper. He probably had heard that Jesus had healed a crippled man's hand. He probably had heard maybe that Jesus could cast out demons, that he could calm a storm, that he could raise a 12-year-old girl from the dead. 
that he fed 5,000 people, a complete miracle. And he's probably thinking, man, I've heard Jesus can heal. And right now, I just need a touch from him. I've never seen him. I don't even know what he looks like. But I can hear that he's over there somewhere. And I'm just going to give it everything I have and cry out for help. But I want you to notice something, too. Bartimaeus is not just saying, Jesus, I need a touch from you. Did you miss what he said? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's a messianic cry. It wasn't just this regular Jesus character. This was the savior of the world. The one that the Bible had said was coming, was going to come from the line of David. 2 Samuel 7, it said he was going to establish the throne of his kingdom forever through the line of David. This is the Jesus he's crying out to, not just some ordinary man. He knew that he had heard that the Savior of the world was coming. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Saying, I don't deserve what you have to offer. I don't even deserve what I want to ask for. But God, would you have mercy on me, a beggar who cannot help himself? He was basically probably thinking, I can't see him, but I've heard that he's good, and that's enough for me. Maybe you're in this room this morning, and you've heard of Jesus. Maybe you're in this room this morning, and you've heard of this God, but you said, man, I'm just, I can't see him. He's never shown himself to me. I've never seen him do anything. And until I actually see him, I will not believe. I'm telling you, God is good regardless of what you can see. And Bartimaeus knew it. He'd never seen him in his life, but what he had heard about this good God was enough for him to cry out. And that's when God begins to move. Verse 48 and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So here he is crying out. And the Bible says that many were rebuking him or expressing strong disapproval. Hey, Bartimaeus, why don't you just shut up, man? Jesus doesn't care about you. He's got his disciples here. He's got his crowd here. He's got everyone who's following him. You're just a lowly, lame beggar by the road. Jesus doesn't care about you, so just quit crying out. Just shut your mouth because Jesus is way too busy for you. There's a whole lot of people here that deserve his attention more than you. And what does it do in Bartimaeus? It spurs on a perseverance to cry louder. He didn't care what the world was saying. He didn't care what anyone was telling him. He just said, I need Jesus and I'm going to cry out. He didn't care what anyone said. He wanted what Jesus could offer. And maybe you're in this room this morning, and you have a whole bunch of family members telling you, man, you're crazy for going to church. Are you kidding me? That's like so 19th century. That's so first century. That's so like, we don't, I mean, God doesn't, he's not actually real. He doesn't move. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's whatever. But I'm telling you, I want you to know that he is worth it. And if you will run to him, despite those who are rebuking you, he will show himself faithful. It's who he is. He can be no other. So what happens? And Jesus stopped. This word in the Greek literally means he stood still. Now, Jesus didn't stop on his first cry. 
We don't even know how many times Bartimaeus cried out. We just know that he cried out, and then people were rebuking him as he was crying out more, and he just continued to cry, continued to plea, continue in desperation. Jesus, this lowly beggar, this blind man, I need him. And in that moment, Jesus finally, I'm sure Jesus heard him every time, but Jesus chose to stop in this moment. He stood still, and what did Jesus say? Call him. Jesus didn't say, hey, Bartimaeus, come here. I'm sure that the crowd was huge. It was loud. And Bartimaeus, to me, this shows me that Bartimaeus was yelling very, very loud because maybe Jesus wasn't really that close to him. Jesus didn't yell back, hey, Bartimaeus, come on, man. No, he told someone near, call him. Who did he call? The very crowd that was rebuking Bartimaeus for crying out to Jesus, Jesus commanded them to go get him and bring him to himself. That had to stun him. But that doesn't make any sense, Jesus. We're just telling him to shut his mouth. No, you go get him and bring this blind beggar to me. He can't see me. I can see him, but I want you to bring him. Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. I love verse 50. (laughs) And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Verse 51. And Jesus said to him, don't miss this. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now get this. Recover could mean to gain for the first time. Or it could be to take back up. So we don't know if he was blind from birth or if He could see at one point, and then he became blind, and then he was asking to see again. It doesn't matter. I want you to not miss what Jesus said. Jesus says, Bartimaeus, he doesn't say, what do you need me to do for you? No. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And I don't think his tone is like me sometimes when Asher's been crying for 20 minutes. And it's like, good grief, what do you want? (laughs) No, I think his heart was, hey, Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? What, What do you desire? What do you want? He wasn't asking him what he needed. It's not what the Bible says. He said, Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? Did you know that God is concerned with your wants and your desires? He cares for you. He sees you. He wants to respond, and he will respond to the desperate. He will respond to those who cry out with everything that they have, that they just need something from someone, and the someone is Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And then the Bible says this, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus did not heal Bartimaeus with a contingency. Hey, if I give you your sight back, then you need to follow me. It's nowhere in the text. In fact, Jesus told Bartimaeus, 
hey, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus is saying, I have recovered your sight. Your, your, your eyes can now see. You can go wherever you want to go. Just go your way. What does Bartimaeus do? He doesn't go, but he follows. He couldn't help but not follow this great king who had just given him sight when he cried out, Jesus, just, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm desperate. And Jesus heals him, and his response is not, oh, thanks, Jesus. Man, that was awesome. Now I can just go and do my own thing. Jesus said, go. Bartimaeus followed. Think about this, that Jesus took a beggar on the side of the road and made him a disciple on the road. That's what Jesus does. And did you know that a faith that does not follow is not a true faith? A faith that is built upon everything that God can give me and filling all my wants and all my desires, and then I just kind of go and do my own thing, that's not true faith. When God grips your heart, when he heals your soul, the desire naturally will be if you have been touched by the king of heaven to follow him wherever he goes. Not just to do your own thing, but to follow him. Because Jesus had clearly gripped Bartimaeus' heart and he didn't get what he wanted and run. <laughs> Sweet Jesus, thanks, man. That's awesome. You ever been there? I have. Praying for something and God does an amazing thing and he answers a prayer and it's like, Oh, I've been begging you for that, God. Thank you. And then you just kind of wander off into your own little stratosphere and just kind of leave Jesus on the side of the road walking all by himself. Bartimaeus didn't. When he had a touch from Jesus, he couldn't do anything but follow him. See, faith that does not lead to following is not true faith. Jesus had transformed Bartimaeus from a beggar beside the road to a disciple on the road, and that's what salvation does. And with the few minutes we have left, I want us to see three things in this text that I think just screams the character and nature of God for his people. For those who will abandon themselves and be desperate enough to cry for help, because God responds to the cries of a desperate person knowing that you can't do it on your own that you need a touch from the one who can heal the first thing is this is that god's ear is attentive to the cries of the desperate we see it right here i mean bartimaeus couldn't heal himself he couldn't do anything he was a blind beggar lowly sitting by the side of the road he knew he couldn't heal himself. He knew. He probably tried a whole lot of things. But when he heard Jesus, the son of David, was in town, he cried with everything that he had. And he didn't care who was watching. And he didn't care who was rebuking. Because he needed Jesus. Listen to Psalm 34, 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Don't miss it. When they cry. When they plead when they come before him and say, Jesus, you are all that I have. You are all that I need. Would you please hear my cry? It softens the ears of God because he loves to respond to the desperate. See, Bartimaeus was desperate for Jesus. 
so desperate that he didn't care who was rebuking him. He didn't care what others thought. He just kept crying out. When people said, shut up, he cried louder. When people said, that's enough, Bartimaeus, Jesus doesn't care for you, he cried louder because he knew that he could heal. But I want you to hear this because it may be where you're at this morning. Jesus didn't stand still after the first plea for help from Bartimaeus. It's not what the Bible says. Like I said earlier, the Bible doesn't say how many times he cried for help. All we know is he kept crying, he kept pleading, he kept petitioning heaven. And eventually, Jesus heard him and stopped. And when he stopped, nothing else in the atmosphere or stratosphere mattered than Bartimaeus, the lowly beggar who was crying for what only Jesus could give. See, he continually cried Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up, Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me because I can't help myself. And Jesus stopped and locked in and responded. There may be something in your life that you have cried for before, that you have been desperate for, and you've just quit crying because it hurts too much. God, I've asked you to heal my marriage way too many times. God, I've asked you to heal this sickness way too many times. God, this relationship friction, I can't handle it anymore because it's about to destroy me. And I've been in that place. And what happens is you quit crying out. You quit being desperate because you're just afraid that he's not going to answer and he's not going to show up. My encouragement to you is keep on crying keep on pleading keep on approaching the throne of god and saying god have mercy on me i need you to respond because god responds to the cries of the desperate it's who he is it's who he is keep pleading so here's the question when is the last time you cried out to god in this way like really cried, like really went after his heart in desperation to really get his attention. See, desperation comes from one who knows that this is my last chance. That was Bartimaeus. This is my last chance. If I don't cry, I may never see again, but Jesus is right there. I can hear that he's there, and I'm going to do everything possible to cry because this may be my last chance. He knew he couldn't help himself. He knew he needed someone to move on his behalf, and it was Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning. Are you in a season of helplessness that only God can change? Is there a relationship that seems almost impossible to be restored this morning? Maybe you have bills and you have no money to pay the bills. Maybe you have a health issue that just keeps going and it will not end and you don't know what to do. Maybe you have a kid that's running far, far away from you and the heart of God and you've tried everything and you've prayed and you've pleaded and it just doesn't seem like God is listening. Maybe you have an addiction that you can't kick. Maybe you have a secret struggle that's eating you up. I want to encourage you this morning to cry out to him. And I mean like plead with him. I mean like cry out like your very life depends on it. And when you can't see him, keep crying. And when you don't think he hears you, keep crying. And when you want to give up, 
keep crying, keep pleading. And when you think he's not there, keep crying. When you think he doesn't hear you, keep crying. See, it was Bartimaeus' persistence that caused Jesus to stop. And when he stopped, don't miss it, he asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Not what do you need me to do. What do you want me to do? What's your desire? Psalm 119, 145 says this, I call with all my heart, answer me, Lord, all my heart, cry out. Number two is this. <laughs> he wants to hear your wants. He does, he cares. How often have you heard in your life, man, just pray for the will of God, you selfish person. Like, you can't pray for what you want or desire. Like, you, you just, that, I mean, that is so selfish of you. Just pray for the will of God. I, newsflash, God's will is going to be done whether you pray for the will of God or not. I love, I, sometimes I'm just like, I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, we are to pray for the will of God, but God also wants us to lay before him our desires and our requests. Bartimaeus didn't say, when Jesus asked, hey, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, man, Jesus, if it's your will, if it's your will, I would just love to see. Oh, would it be your will, God, that I would see? Or it doesn't matter that I'm blind. Whatever your will is, God, just have your way in my life. It doesn't even matter. If you just want to give me a new pail, that's totally fine. I just need a new pail to beg with. No. Jesus asked him a specific question, and Bartimaeus had a specific need, and he asked him, Jesus, would you recover my sight? What did Jesus do? Go on your way, Bartimaeus. Your faith has made you well. Now, I want you to hear this, because now you're probably thinking, oh, I can just ask for that Lamborghini, and I can ask for that new 150 acres out west of town where all the elk actually are, because there's nothing in anywhere in this valley anyway, but they're right there. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying just pray for all your selfish desires and I'll just give them to you. I believe God wants us to pray. He wants us to give him our wants, give him our desires that are aligned with his heart, that are aligned with his word, that are aligned with his will. He's not going to give you something that's going to destroy you. He's not going to give you something that's going to cause you to go away from him after he answers the prayer. He's going to give you something. He's going to answer something that will make you respond to follow. See, when Jesus answers the prayers of his people, their wants and their desires, it's so that his name would be glorified. It's so that his name would be exalted. It's so that everyone around would know, man, that guy knows a king that can do amazing things. Give him your wants. Lay before him your desires. And ask him to filter the ones that are selfish for your glory and not his. And watch what he'll do. You think that, you can't tell me that when Jesus healed Bartimaeus, everywhere he went, that it was just like, it didn't bring God glory. No, can you imagine? This blind beggar who had been healed by Jesus, it wasn't like, oh, Jesus yeah, Jesus healed me, but man, I was so good in that. You should have heard how well I cried out to him. <laughs> you should have heard how all those people were rebuking me and telling me not to cry. And I just cried out. and It was like this magic potion. And God just did what I wanted him to do. No. 
I'll almost guarantee everyone that saw Bartimaeus after that was, you can't believe it. I met this king, I met Jesus, who I, was, I could not see, but now I can see. And Bartimaeus didn't ask to see Jesus. He just asked to see. He wanted to see the birds. He wanted to see the trees. He wanted to see what it looked like when it rained. He wanted to see his own hands. He wanted to see the people around him. He just wanted to see. And when Jesus healed him, I guarantee you, he gave him all the glory. Why? How do I know? Because he followed him. He didn't run away. He followed after the one who could heal. I struggle with this. <laughs> Caroline and I were talking the other night. There's things that I just so desire and want to see, and I've just quit praying for them. Because it's been such a season of, God, I don't even think you hear this prayer anymore. And even if you did, if it's your will, you're going to answer it anyway. So I'm just not going to pray for it anymore because you're just going to do what you're going to do. That is so backwards. We need to cry out to him. We need to lay our desires and our wants, the things that will bring him glory, petition him. Your marriage being healed, that brings him glory. A health issue being healed, that brings him glory. A relationship that's fractured and in friction, when it's restored, that brings him glory. The things that you want, that you desire, that your soul is yearning for, lay them before him and cry out with everything that you have. Because God hears the cries of the desperate and he wants to hear your wants. It's who he is. But here's the deal. If a want is going to hurt, destroy, or pull you away from him, he probably won't give it to you. And one day, you'll understand why. I've had those seasons. <laughs> but don't be afraid to, afraid to pray for the things that you want to see or desire to see him do. Just ask and trust with whatever the result, God has your best in mind. It may be no. You may plead with him and have this desire and want, and he may say no, and you may not understand it this side of heaven, or you may not understand it for the next 15 years, but one day you will. And you may, it may shock you if you begin to plead for something that you want or desire. Maybe he will answer it. Maybe he will respond and do something that will blow your mind. What do you want this morning? Not something that is against his heart. And not something that is to fill your own selfish desire, but a want that will bring glory to the God of heaven. Maybe this morning he's not answering a desire or want of yours because he knows you won't use it for his glory. Think about it. Maybe you're pleading for all the wrong reasons. And maybe you say to everyone else around you, oh yeah, I would do this, I would glorify God with this, but deep down in your heart, you know that you wouldn't. You know that when he gives it to you, you would just use it for your own name and your own fame. Pray that God would shift your heart to pray for the things that you want and desire that are aligned with his so that it might bring him glory and it might bring renown to his name. Here's what I envisioned Bartimaeus' testimony sounding like. If it was a song, I would write it this way. Three, three, a three-line song. Ready? I was blind, but now I see. I was a beggar, but now I'm free. Jesus, in his mercy, heard my plea. That's what I would write if I was Bartimaeus. 
I was blind, but now I see. I was a lowly beggar by the road, but now I'm free. And Jesus, in his mercy, the son of David, heard my plea. The God of heaven actually heard me. When I said I wanted my sight to be recovered, he actually opened my eyes. He responded to my plea, my desire, my want, and now all I can do is bring him glory. All I can do is follow. I don't want to run after my own ways. I want to follow Jesus on his way. That's what the Bible said. And Jesus said, go. And Bartimaeus followed him on the way. That's what it's about. Lay it before him. He wants. Lay your wants before him. Ask for them. And maybe it could be for his glory. It will be for his glory when he responds. The third thing is this as we wrap up. He responds to those who believe even when they cannot see. That's Bartimaeus. He couldn't see Jesus. He heard that he was there. He heard that he was in the somewhere around. He heard all that he had done. He heard of his miracles. He heard of him healing other people. He heard of other blind people seeing. He heard of crippled hands being restored. He heard of the, the, the feeding of the 5,000, the calming of the sea. He heard of all this stuff, but he had never seen him. Keep in mind, he was blind. He was a lowly beggar. He couldn't see anything, but that didn't matter. He responded, he cried out, and Jesus, God, does the same thing. He responds to those who believe even when they cannot see. If you're in here this morning and you are far from God and you've been thinking for a long time, man, I would, I would actually come to him if he would show himself to me. Do you know that that's not how it works? The Bible actually says when we believe in faith, when we come to him, even when we can't see him, he saves us. And then the scale of our eyes can fall off so we can see God in his fullness. Faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. That's the definition of Bartimaeus. That's who he was. He had confidence that this Jesus he heard of could heal him. And he was assured that if he actually cried out and called out to him, that he would respond. If you're in this room this morning and you are far from Jesus, I'm telling you, you're not here by accident. You're here by providence. That there is a God in heaven who fiercely loves you. And he is after your heart. And your past doesn't even matter. At the foot of cross, if you believe that when Jesus hung on a cross on your behalf because we were separated from this good and loving God, there's no way we could earn forgiveness. There's no way we could earn his favor. There's no way we could earn his love. There's no way we could earn his grace. That's why it's called grace. God giving us what we did not deserve. That's why it's called mercy. God not giving us what we did deserve. Separation from him. And even though you can't see him, if you will believe that when he hung on a cross... For your and my sin to pay the price that sin had to be paid for, death. The result of sin is death. And if Jesus didn't pay it, we would have to pay it. But because Jesus hung on a cross, you no longer have to pay it. You just have to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You didn't earn it. You can earn it. There's nothing you can do but believe that. And if you will turn from your old way of life and your sin like Bartimaeus, crying out the son of David, 
have mercy on me. And if you will come to him and lay aside your old life and say, Jesus, that is me. I am a blind and lowly beggar. I have no peace and I cannot help myself. My life is unraveling. My marriage is spiraling out of control. And obviously I can't fix it. I need the one who can, the one who can heal. He will respond. But you have to believe that when he hung on the cross and he rose from the grave, that his scars counted for you so that your scars didn't have to count against you. He said, your past, yeah, I've wiped that away. If you're, if you're mine, for as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgression from, me, from you, but you just have to believe that I am the only way, that I'm the only way to the Father, and I'm the only one that can heal, and I'm the only one that can give you purpose and hope. And he will respond in the same way he did Bartimaeus. He will heal your soul for eternity. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. What do you need to believe God for this morning? For some, you need to choose to believe that he's good even when you can't see it. You need to just choose to believe. For some, you need to believe that he's working even when he seems nowhere to be found like he's absent, like he's nowhere, you need to believe. For some, you need to believe that he's actually on your side and not just like hasn't betrayed you and just left you and hung you out to dry. You need to believe that he's fighting for you because he proved it when he fought for you on the cross. And for some, you need to believe that he's working in an impossible situation somehow for your good. You don't know how or why, but you have to choose to believe that he fights for you if you are his. And for some, you need to believe that there is hope for your marriage even when it seems like it's over. To believe that he responds to those who believe even when they cannot see. And for some, you need to put your full trust in Jesus as your Savior this morning. You need to release this idea that you can't believe unless you can see him and tangibly see the things that he's done. You need to let go of that. Because you will never be set free if you're waiting to see. Did you miss it? Jesus is the one who makes you see. Bartimaeus did not make himself see. There was nothing he could do. There wasn't any magic formula or any spit in the mud to wipe on his eyes. Because even Jesus had to do that with the last blind man. No, you can't do it. You have to realize that I can't see you, God, but I believe that it counted for me. And when I believe that, then you will make me see. See that you are good. See that you're faithful. See that in the trials and the struggles, I can know that you are good. See, in God's economy, you have to believe before you can see. And once you believe, he removes the scales from your eyes. And you can see the goodness of a great Are you in here this morning? Maybe you thought you've been saved for a very long time because you've been in the bleachers or the pews of a church growing up and you even went to kids ministry when you were younger. In fact, you were maybe, maybe you were an elder on the board of an old church or a deacon or maybe you served faithfully. But you've never come to a place where you were dependent upon God, where he was your only source to make you see. You just 
wandered around blind and you thought you were saved, but maybe you weren't. The Bible says when Jesus comes back, many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not do miracles in your name? Did I not do all of this stuff in your name? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Because the 12 inches from your head to your heart kept you from a thriving relationship with the God who can heal and make you see. If you don't know that you know that you know that you have been sealed by the blood of Jesus, then you have not been sealed by the blood of Jesus. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And it's not too late. Today is the day that you can give your everything. That you can cry in desperation and say, God, I'm so tired of doing it on my own. I will cry and cry and cry and cry until you hear my cry, until you stop and respond. Today is the day of salvation. Come to him, run to him, and watch what he will do, because then your song may be, I was blind, but now I see. I was a beggar, but now I'm free. And Jesus in his mercy, has heard my plea. That's the gospel. And it can be today that Jesus sets you free. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that you are good and that you work on our behalf. And God, I pray two things. One, if there is someone in this room that is far from you, God, that you would begin to draw them near in this moment and in this time. God, there is nothing greater and there is nothing that holds more weight and there is nothing that holds more value. And one day when you return, God, there is no excuse as we stand before you. In fact, everyone in this room is left without excuse now because they have heard of your goodness, they have heard of the gospel that there is a king in heaven who has come to set them free. If they would turn from their sin and turn to Christ, you would set them free. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But the gospel is not for a bunch of put-together people. The gospel is not for people that can help themselves. It's for those who are desperate. It's for those who are willing to cry. It's for those who know that their only hope for redemption and healing is you. And God, I pray that in this moment right now that you would work and do an incredible thing. That you would work on the hearts of those who maybe are far from you. That they would say, today is the day that I have finally seen that I don't have to believe, that I don't have to see the things of God. I just need to believe that, that I can't come put together. I just need to come with my mess and everything that I am and give that to Jesus and let him fix it up. Let him heal it. Let him make me whole because none of us are worthy. None of us are good enough. None of us are put together enough. That's the gospel is that Jesus fixes our mess. Jesus makes us see. Jesus heals when we can't heal ourselves, And Jesus gives us hope when we don't have any. So maybe this morning that is you. And if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand so I can pray for you. That today, Jesus, you just, I just need you. Jesus, I just need you to save my soul because I can't save my own. If that's you, just lift your hand. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this room. I thank you that you're good and faithful. And God, for someone in this room that 
has been walking with you for a long time, that has been crying for something, that has been asking you to heal, that is asking you to restore, that is asking you to do a miracle, and you just haven't seemed to respond, you haven't seemed to respond it yet, God, I pray that they would continue to cry. I pray that they would bring themselves to a posture of desperation, they would cry out to you, God, that they would plead with you, that they would cry with more cry than they've ever cried before, knowing that you can heal and restore, God, knowing that you use our brokenness to display your glory. God, make us a bunch of people that cry out to you, that know that you desire our wants and our desires, that we would bring them to you, God. Align our hearts with yours so that you may be glorified. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.